Hi, it's Shana here. Before this episode starts, I'm popping in with a quick reminder about our upcoming CEU on Thursday, May 16th on a person-centered approach to behavior management. School taught us a lot about ABA. However, the thing with ABA is that it's a science and it's constantly evolving. So a lot of what we learned back then doesn't always apply now. Today, we want to use a person-centered approach to behavior management, um, but what does that look like and how can our learners still make progress in this kind of approach? So join us live on Thursday, May 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time as Shira discusses how to use a person-centered approach to behavior management with your learners. This CEU is presented by our very own Shira Karpel. You can earn one learning CEU for ACE, QABA, or IBAO. Join us live at this event or to watch the recording asynchronously, go to howtoaba.com forward slash CEU. See you then. Hi, I'm Shira Karpow. And I'm Shana Gaunt, and we're board certified behavior analysts. At How To ABA, we provide practical resources, community, and support to ABA professionals. In each episode of our podcast, we will be having real conversations with real people sharing real stories about ABA. We'll share relevant strategies and actionable tips that will make us all better ABA practitioners. It's the ABA content you need that you're not going to learn in a textbook. So here's a story I haven't talked about much. Um, I used to own a clinic. I actually owned three clinics for probably, uh, I think, a total of 11 years. And um, it was great when it was great. And it was really horrible when it was horrible. Um, You know, I had, like I said, you know, three BCBA clinics, I'd hired, you know, 25 staff who worked under me. And, um, you know, I had probably about 90 individuals who, you know, were overseen between these clinics. And, you know, it was really fun. I had some really, really amazing staff and I had some awesome kids too. Um, But it gets to be a lot. And sure, you know, I ensured that, you know, I wasn't the only BCBA at the clinic and I had lots of people who supervised, but, you know, I wasn't smart about it. I didn't have a business manager. You know, I took the phone calls myself. We prided ourselves in being, you know, everybody, everything to everybody, um, you know, at certain points in time, I seem to be, you know, like, you know, personal therapist to staff, a personal therapist to parents, um, you know, in there providing programming, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I did know my limits to a certain extent because I was able to say, okay, you know, you uh, BCBA, you know, you're taking on this caseload, you're taking on this caseload, you're taking on this caseload. But as the owner, I really did oversee everybody. And uh, as a result, it was um, really, I felt that pressure all the time. It was just constant pressure. I don't know how else to describe it. And, uh, you know, my workload was probably 80, 90 hours a week. You know, I worked weekends, I worked evenings. Um, you know, I took phone calls, I finished things off in the evening, I'd get up really early. Um, I remember one summer I, you know, worked for, you know, every morning I was up at 5.30, working from 5.30 to 9, um, just trying to get things done. And then I would jump in the shower and then I would go to work and work, you know, all day long. And I- it was really, really hard. Um, but I always had this carrot in front of my nose. And it was always, well, if I just work a bit harder, you know, then I'll become, you know, a little bit more successful, you know, but this is happening, this is happening. And then COVID hit. And, you know, we basically shut down. We went from, you know, the clinics running to nothing. And, you know, I had to still, you know, 
um, pay staff. I still had to, you know, talk to parents and reassure them that things were going to be okay, coach people through, you know, what to do with their kids. Um, and then really just re, you know, like basically just, you know, say, okay, you know, we've got one week, let's go online, let's do this and uh, really reinvent ourselves. And it was a lot and it was a lot of pressure. And it got to the point where, you know, um, if people would even bring up autism, like people in my non-autism life, right? So my family members, uh, people who are just trying to make conversation with me, I would really just shut down and say, you know, if I hear that word one more time, I think I'm going to lose it or please, please, I don't want to talk about this right now. And it was really a really difficult time. And I don't really think I've talked about that much with anyone. Um. I'm glad that's in the past, but I think that when we talk about work-life balance, to me, what feels elusive is that there really is no such thing as a work-life balance. And I think that, um, you know, I've had three kids who were very little, now they're teenagers, and I've been able to work through different stages of my life and my career and my family. And what I've learned is that there's different phases in your life where you'll be able to focus on different things and you just have to be okay with that. You know, when my kids were really little, it, I wasn't career focused. I was focused on my kids. I didn't work full time. Um, and I felt guilty about that at the time. I said, well, maybe I should work full time or I should work more. I should work harder. Um, and now it's a little bit different. I'm working a lot more and my kids are in school, so they don't need me as much, but I have that guilt sometimes where it says, well, I'm not fully invested in, you know, obviously I'm fully invested in my kids, but, um, I'm not putting as much time into it. And that's not balanced. Like I feel a lot more time goes to my career. And I think what I need to keep reminding myself is that there really isn't a balance. There's no time in my life where everything's going to be equal and like totally equally weighted. I think we just have to be okay with prioritizing what we're prioritizing at the time and not feeling guilty about the things that aren't falling in our priorities. You know, sometimes um, fitness come, falls differently in my priorities or eating healthy come, falls differently in my priorities. And I'll focus on it for a little amount of time because it's always at the expense of something else. You know, if I'm working out consistently, then I am not spending as much time at work or with my family. And so you're always constantly making that trade-off and continuing to convince ourselves that this is okay. I don't need to feel guilty about investing in myself or investing in my career or about investing in my kids, because this is this phase of life for me right now. And that's the decision that I made intentionally and not being, um, not falling into that illusion that everything has to be equal and balanced. Uh, BCBA told me one time that, uh, you know, she has a whole bunch of balls up in the air and she's just trying not to drop the glass ones. And I thought that was a really great analogy um, because at any given time, we all have a ton of balls up in the air and it's just which ones um, do we choose to, you know, focus more time on? And it's okay not to eat healthy sometimes and it's okay not to work out and it's okay to neglect your kids, your caseload, you know, it's okay to do that in moderation. And, you know, as a society, we shouldn't made, you know, be made to feel guilty about what our choices are. Um, but I think it's really important to really recognize, you know, what we are, what, what those balls are that are up in the air at any given moment and which ones we are prioritizing. And I also think that one of the questions I get a lot from people coming into the field is, well, what's the caseload? What's the caseload? And I think that's a funny question because your caseload is not going to define your balance, your work-life balance. It's it's everything else. You know, you could have five families that or five clients that's making you work, you know, 80 hours a week, and you could have a, a roster of 20 and you have a great work-life balance. And so I think it's all about everything else that comes into it, what your priorities are, what your boundaries are, um, how much demand they're taking from you and how you how you structure, you know, do you make sure that you have time for yourself? Do you make sure that you shut your computer at a certain time of night? Do you shut off notifications? Um, something that I did recently when I 
went traveling is because everything's so available on our phone and we always have FOMO that like, if I don't get that notification right away, I'm going to miss out on something. Um, I actually shut the notifications on my phone while I was away. Um, I won't say it totally works. I just kept refreshing my email because I was like, oh my God, they're not going to tell me if I got an email. So I have to keep checking. So it kind of backfired, but I intentionally said, okay, this is not going to be time for work. I'm going on vacation and I want to shut off the notifications. And I think that's a healthy way to, you know, put those boundaries in place so that you're not constantly feeling overwhelmed. Sure. I loved how you were talking about setting boundaries. And that is a huge thing that we need to do. So regardless of how many people are on our caseload or how demanding our kids are or how demanding our spouses are or how demanding just life in general is, we need to say this is what our boundaries are. So my boundaries, I tell you, I shut down most days by about five o'clock um, and I'm up early. So I do probably work more than your nine to five, but on the weekends, I shut it down completely and I close my computer. I actually don't put my work email on my phone. Um, so I can't even have that option of checking my emails or on the weekend on my phone. And something that I think you told me very early on was, um, don't get, don't train people to accept or expect a response from you on non-working hours. So I also, you know, tend to work in the evenings or on the weekend because I do like to catch up, but if people are getting used to getting responses from me in the evening or on the weekend, then they're going to continue to expect that. And so one of the things that I love, because I do love working in the evening is the option to schedule your emails. So now it's also with the new iOS on Apple, but it was always available on Microsoft. I can write all my emails and batch them and schedule them to go out the next day. So that way I still feel like I'm keeping up, but people are not getting used to expecting responses, you know, all hours of the day and night. So can we just talk about that for a second? So right before we, you know, started recording this podcast, Sheer and I were actually talking about, well, what are we going to say about work-life balance? Because, you know, both of us work and, you know, this is how to ABA right now is not our full-time job. So we do this in addition to other things. So we are sneaking in more work on top of work. Um, but that's kind of our reinforcer. Like we both really love this. Um, the other thing that's a reinforcer for me is that I like to get things done. So if I see, you know, a student uh, and I want to provide supervision notes, but if I say, oh, you know what, it's working day is over, it's almost the weekend, let me shut it down until Monday. I actually am stressed out all weekend long about those notes. So, you know, sometimes recognizing your work-life balance means getting it done and finishing and accessing that reinforcer, which is finishing before you start the weekend or before you stop, start your stop time. Does that make sense? Something else that I've learned over the years is that when I got into the field, I wanted to fix everything for everyone. And I wanted to just constantly say, yes, 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 I could do it all. You need this, you need parent training, you need a program, you need support. I'm happy to do it all. And over the years, I've learned that it's okay to say no sometimes. So it's okay to say, you know, I don't have the capacity for this right now. Or even with, you know, running a, a center, you know, we have a wait list right now because we have to continue to provide quality programming to the kids that we do have before taking on new clients. Um, so really knowing that it's okay to say no personally and professionally. Absolutely. And that's um, one thing that we all need to get better at. And, you know, it's something that sometimes I'll just put a sticky note right on my mirror and say, you know, it's okay to say no. Or if I have a phone call and I know it's going to be a hard phone call, sometimes I actually will write a sticky note that just says no and stick it on my computer as I'm talking on the phone. I can look down at that and go, oh, yeah, I'm allowed to say no. And the other thing is knowing what you need, you know, in the rest of your life. Is it speaking to your spouse to get a certain kind of support? Is it getting more babysitting? For your kids, for me, it was always, you know, I never had real help around the house and I suffered and suffered for many years for really no reason. And finally, I said, you know what, I don't have to, you know, come home and have to then start doing all the chores in my house. I can, you know, have somebody who helps me with that. And so it's not, 
it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to build in the structures to your life where you need the help. You don't have to be at every event and every birthday party and 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 have all the right, you know, things that that everyone expects you to do or have. Um, it's okay to say, I, I'm not doing this right now. I'm too tired to go to this event or asking for help when you need it. But on the flip side of that, think about what your priorities are and what events you do want to attend. Um, this wasn't a personal story, but I heard the story from another professional. And she said that she realized that her work-life balance was off when, you know, her daughter asked her to attend her basketball game. And, uh, you know, she was about to leave work to go to this basketball game. And then she got called into a meeting. And anyway, she ended up the basketball game in like the third quarter and you know she snuck in late and she said oh phew my daughter's not gonna know that I was missing and what have you saw the daughter after the game and the daughter said mom like you weren't here for me you didn't see the whole game would you ever have done that if it was a work meeting would you ever have been late to a work meeting and that's when this person said wow you know what you're right I I would have prioritized the work meeting and I should really be prioritizing my daughter because she's she's never going to be 14 again right yeah, so I think that comes down to also knowing what fills your tank. And as a person and as a professional and as a parent and as a spouse, making sure that you're doing those activities that fill you up. Um, for me, it's it's not attending events and going out. And I need to know that I have my quiet time and my space. Um, for some people, it might be going out and doing things socially and meeting up with friends. And so knowing like what fills your tank and what re-energizes you and making sure to put those in your schedule. I'm an extrovert, so I love being out places and doing things. So, you know, and I also love a whole bunch of exercise. And if I don't get exercise, I get actually very antsy. And, uh, you know, I'm not an anxious person, but I do feel more anxious if I don't exercise. And, uh, you know, not everybody understands that. So for me, what fills my tank is making sure that I'm up earlier in the morning and saving time to exercise. It's like, you know, exercise is my medicine. Um, and, you know, going out and seeing friends, making sure that I'm scheduling that in, you know, once every couple of weeks. And I think the last thing is just don't be too hard on yourself. Like I said, you go through phases where sometimes you feel really off balance and just like recalibrate yourself and reprioritize and bring yourself back to a place where you can be okay with that. So you're not going to do everything at once, make those boundaries, stick with them and give yourself some grace. You bet. So, you know, in summary, it is really easy to get burnt out in any profession. Um, and what we really need to do is making sure that we're setting boundaries. We're setting boundaries for ourselves. We're setting boundaries for, um, you know, our clients and our staff, knowing when that we can, you know, when they can talk to us and contact us as well. Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe, rate and review so others can find out about us too. For more from How to ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com and make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.